Kristen, what's the earliest video game you can remember? The first video game you ever played? Oh, I think it was Space Invaders. Space on, Invaders. On my cousin's um, computer at home. Oh, the home version. I'm pretty sure it was that, but it's also possible it was Pong. Did you play? You didn't. There's no way you could have played Pong. You don't think so? Then it must have been Space Invaders. I mean, the one I remember most vividly is Space Invaders. The home computer version. That's, see, that's, that, that's, that's what pegs you, Kristen, as a youngster. What? Yeah. I'm old. I, I am solidly middle-aged. I owned Pong. I actually owned the Pong console that you, that you that you that you hooked up to your television, not with plugs, but with wires and screws in the back. Oh my gosh! I'm old, man. It had its own console. It had its own console, yellow, I think, with with the uh, and I think it was knobs. If I, I remember I'm sorry, correctly. I just need to clarify. It wasn't like an Atari console where you put cartridges in it. And no, it. no, this was just like a big dedicated one thing. I think it had a switch because you could switch between. The regular Pong with the two paddles, but then they also had, I think, like a hockey and also like a squash version. Oh, okay. I think there was Pong, hockey, and squash. Wow. I, I've yeah. never even heard of that. You had to crank it with a hand crank. <laughs> you did that's, not. That's a joke. No, you're kidding me. That's a joke, but I did have the original Pong, I'm telling you. And, um, and did you play it for hours and hours? Yeah, and did you, of course. And you kicked rear when you played it? Yes, of course. So... <laughs> The ball was square. The little ball that went back and forth was literally a square. It didn't even try to resemble a round circle. It was a square. <laughs> God, I love that game. I love it still. Uh, of course, I'm asking this, Kristen, because we're talking about Pixels, the new Adam Sandler movie in which video game icons from the 80s attack Earth. And so that's why I was just curious how far back your video game knowledge goes. Yeah. Not, mine goes back a ways. Not, apparently not as far back as yours. No. <laughs> apparently. No. Oh, we're going to have fun talking about pixels then, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> we're also going to talk about Southpaw, the new boxing film with Jake Gyllenhaal, and the Stanford Prison Experiment, a dramatic film based on the real-life psychological study from 1971. All that and more. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Okay, Kristen, tell us what Pixels is really about. All right. Well, it starts back in the early 80s, 1982, I believe. And yes, we have. Indeed. A younger version of Adam Sandler and Kevin James and Josh Gad all playing video games at the local arcade, which just opened. They are loving this video game world. They're doing great at it, and they decide to enter the championship uh, world arcade games or something along those lines. A young version of Peter Dinklage is also there. At that point, they meet him. And this arcade playing competition is all being filmed and on VHS tape is being sent off into space on the equivalent of the Golden Record, which was something that actually happened in the space shuttle era on the Voyager in the 1970s. So fast forward to the present. At this point, Kevin James is president of the United States of America. Yes. Uh, Adam Sandler is working for something equivalent to the Geek Squad as a computer repair and electronics installation person. Josh Gad is still living in his grandma's basement, as he was back in the day. And um, Peter Dinklage is an ex-con. They all have to come back together in order to fight 
how, how would you say this? We- I would say what happens is the aliens take these uh, video games as a declaration of war. And so they decide to come down and attack Earth in the form of those video games. So they become Galaga, they become Pac-Man, they become Donkey Kong, and they decide they're going to invade, attack, and conquer Earth. Here's a clip. Hey, Ludlow, grab a light cannon, get out here now, I need your help. Me? No! Look at me, I look delicious, they'll gobble me up like space dim sum! We're the only ones who can do this! Come on, you're the Wonder Kid! Brenner's right. I am the Wonder Kid. All right, so we have this premise. We have this 80s nostalgia. We have Adam Sandler and his buddies. A lot of this sounds familiar except for us being attacked by outer space. But everything else up until that is pretty much Adam Sandler. And also it's worth mentioning there's a little bit of a romance happening here too. Right, with Uh, uh, Michelle Monaghan. Yes. She plays a high-ranking military official in uh, Kevin James's uh, presidential cabinet. So, Rafer, what did you think of all this? Well, I have to say, in the beginning, I was I was pretty, you know, those 80, the 80s nostalgia really worked because you've got the scenes of the little kids jumping on their bikes and going down to the local arcade, which looks exactly like the local arcade in my mall, which I guess just tells you how similar, you know, arcades and malls looked all around the country. It's dark inside, lit with neon blue. I think the outside of the arcade said something like Electric Dreams or something, which was one of my favorite movies, actually, from the 80s, Electric Dreams. I love that movie. Um, And so, you know, Adam Sandler, he is almost exactly my age. He totally knows how to pluck your heartstrings on this stuff. And so I was kind of into it. Uh, Once the aliens actually start to attack, I think things get a little less interesting. Um, And I guess I would just say things get progressively less interesting as the film goes on. I'm not sure why. I guess because you can tell that Adam Sandler and Josh Gad and Peter Dinklage are trying to do kind of a Ghostbusters thing where they're Mm, putting on their their jumpsuits that say Arcader across the front and they're you know, out there trying to hit the centipede and, uh, you know, dodge the Tetris bricks and, and, you know, dodge the giant frogger frog and things like that. They don't have, they don't have the chemistry, I think. Um, and I will say uh, one thing, Peter Dinklage, who I love, uh, makes a very odd choice of speaking like a black action hero from the 70s. That's what I sort of didn't understand. It seemed like an odd choice. I figured that's what he was trying to sound like, like, a nostalgia voice in some... I don't know. Is that know. what it was? Yeah. No, that, I, I mean, I think the movie is completely trying to hold our attention because of nostalgia. Not, really? That's all that... That's really all that it has to offer, Yeah, right? because it, it, it really... You mentioned the lack of chemistry there, but I also just think there's a lack of heart in a lot of this. Incidentally, a lot of the pop culture references are completely out of order and don't work like, you know, the Madonna that we see in this movie is from after 1982. Well, so you know, is all- Tetris, by the way, which wasn't so... I was, I, I was thinking about that as well. I thought, oh, so the, this, is a, this is all coming from a time capsule sent in 1982, so where the aliens get Tetris, because Tetris didn't come out till 1984, and also neither did Max Headroom, who oh, makes yes, an appearance. He makes right? an appearance, and the Hall and Oates that we see is actually from later in the 80s, yes, not from uh, 1982. Right, right. All, all just completely jumbled up. That is the kind of thing I have to say... Those kinds of things, I know that I'm probably getting a reputation for being a real nitpicker on this podcast, yes, but those <laughs> those little details matter to me. I just kind of feel like put some thought into this stuff. You know, you're making like an $80 million movie here. Get these details right. You know what I'm saying? And that, that bugs me. Yeah. 
I mean, I noticed those things too. I didn't notice it with the video games because, unlike you, Rafer, I was not the video game nerd <laughs> because, that you were. Because you had a social life and <laughs> friends. Okay, fair enough. But I did notice all the pop culture references. Right. I just feel like you could say that's a detail, but these things are important. They help. They help bring you into the story and keep you into the story. And when you can't keep the details right, it brings you out of it. And it. And I find that a bummer. And also. A lot of the time I just was staring at these actors who looked bored on screen. So it's just yeah. weird. Did Sandler look completely like his eyes were glazed over and he's just waiting to get the paycheck? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, felt, I think Adam Sandler tries and does well in these kinds of roles. The underappreciated average Joe slash loser who actually has does have something to offer. I think... That's a good role for Adam Sandler. I think he's pretty likable. I actually thought Kevin James was pretty likable as the president. Um, I did not like Josh Gad. I thought he was really irritating and grating in this film. And I did not, I just have to say it, I thought Peter Dinklage's accent seemed like some kind of odd blackface to me. I just, Mm. I didn't, there was something about it that I didn't like. And the film's kind of boring. I don't understand who the aliens are or what they want. I never, I never got that. I never figured that out either. I thought Pixels was like... A pretty average to below average date. Oh, no. It's far below average, Rafer. You're wrong. I think there's some fun action scenes in it. I think the effects are cool. I I was sucked into the 80s nostalgia here and there. I think some of the ideas are funny. It it didn't seem awful to me. It just seemed seemed so-so. But you thought it was like an awful date. And I did not laugh a single time. Really? Not even once did I laugh. I laughed if here Kevin, and there. No, if Kevin James and Adam Sandler and Josh Gad are in a movie together, I want to be laughing. I hear you. I want to be laughing. I did not laugh a single time. I hear you. All mm, right. Bad so, date. Okay. Uh, all right. What's next on our list, Kristen? It's Southpaw, which I missed, and maybe I don't mind that I missed it, because I, I have to say I was not sucked in by this premise of Jake Gyllenhaal as a boxer, and the clips I saw, I don't know, Rafer. It, nah, it looks like were... the same old, same old. But, but you know, you saw Southpaw. Tell me about Southpaw. Uh, okay, well, you tell me if this sounds like the same old, same old, Kristen. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays uh, a boxer who's at the top of his game. He's doing great. You know, giant mansion, beautiful wife, played by... Rachel McAdams, uh, and he's uh, got a fight going, but there's a young up- upstart who wants to challenge him and uh, is sort of trash-talking to him. Um, that leads to a confrontation. There's a shooting. Rachel McAdams, I don't think this is a spoiler, dies. <gasps> no. I, I don't think that's a spoiler. Well, now I definitely don't want to see it. That's well, the only reason I would have seen the movie. Here's what happens. Uh, now uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's career is in the tank. He's drinking. His, everything's been thrown away. But he still has this little daughter. He's got a wants to keep her, and if he wants to keep her, he's going to have to clean himself up, make a comeback, fight that trash talking boxer, and triumph. Here's a clip. The more you get hit, the harder you fight. I get it. I don't want to hear this right now. Only now you're taking way too many hits hey, before you get off. Listen to me. This is a good night. I honest. love you. You are all I care about. The three of us. That's it. That's all that matters. So I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to be punch drunk in two years if you keep this up. That sound like the same old, same old to you? Let's see. It sounds like The Champ, and it sounds like Rocky, Rocky and it sounds and Rocky like Raging Bull. Sounds like Raging Bull. Sounds like Cinderella Man, you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So here's the thing. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. This is an age-old, timeless premise. This That premise, the washed-up champ who's got to make a comeback, 
that premise is as sturdy as the Colosseum, right? That that is, that is as sturdy as ancient Roman architecture. You can build on that, man. And so while I'm watching this film, very quickly I start thinking, I I know where this scene is going, and I even know what the next scene is going to be. I know when the daughter's going to cry. I know when the training montage is coming up. I know, I know, I know. Why are you taking so long to get to the next scene that I know is coming? Let's step this up because this is not a surprise to anyone who's ever seen a movie. No one's going to be thinking, oh, my God, he's going to have to train. Oh, right? oh, oh, but tell me about the training. Can we talk oh, well, about you, the training? Okay, what you about You know it? I love the training montage. Everyone loves the training montage. The training montage is one of the best parts of any of these kinds of movies. Of and, course. Yeah. And, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the one reason that people might want to see this movie is because as Jake Gyllenhaal looks tremendous. He, he packed on like 40-something pounds of just pure muscle, and he looks incredible. He's just ripped and cut and lean. He's just nothing but veins and pecs. He looks fantastic. And when he's in the ring, those fight scenes are actually really good. When he's out of the ring, he's kind of mumbling, and he's got to deal with Forrest Whitaker, who plays this manager named Tick Wills. He's a trainer, I should say, a gym owner, excuse me, uh, named Tick Wills. Would you guess that he's alcoholic? Would you Aww. guess that he's blind in one eye? And <laughs> and I just kind of feel like... But I thought he used to be great. Right. And, and, you know, but it's one of these things where Jake Gyllenhaal just kind of wanders into the gym. There's no... They don't have a connection. They have no shared past. They, they don't... He just picks them at random. And then they start kind of hanging out together and they train. And he's going to teach Jake Gyllenhaal to go Southpaw. He even, he even uses the Pulp Fiction line. You got to go Southpaw on his ass, he says. And I'm kind of like... So he wasn't a southpaw in the beginning, but now he's a southpaw, meaning a lefty. And what's the big deal about that? It's not like it's not like he learned how to use the force. He's just going to be a, he's just going to be a southpaw. I'm going to use my other hand a little bit more right. than I normally boxers, do. Boxers can do that. It's tricky. Not many boxers can expertly switch stances and become a southpaw all of a sudden. It's tricky, but it's not it's not the most astounding thing in the sport. Anyway, the problem with the movie, I think, is that. The characters are weirdly drawn. They're inarticulate. Uh, they don't make any sense. It's hard to tell who's the villain, who's not the villain, what's going on. Curtis Jackson, 50 Cent, is in this movie. It's very Maybe. hard to tell like what his deal is or what he's supposed to be. And in the end, you just don't care. You've seen a few good fight scenes. Jake Gyllenhaal looks great. But the rest of the movie, I would say, is just a terrible date. Oh. How difficult is it to make a really fun boxing movie? Do you know what I'm saying? You just need the, the same six scenes. Exactly. The same six scenes, as you mentioned. And you don't need to take 40 minutes between each scene. No, the That's movie only needs to be 85 minutes. Right. And then you just need to cheer in the end. I totally agree. Yeah. Anyway, I did not cheer Sounds at Southpaw. Sounds like a horrible date. You didn't miss much, Kristen. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more intense, something based on reality, not based on every other movie that's already in the same genre. Yes. Stanford Prison Experiment. Yes, indeed. All right. Tell us about this one. So this is based on the real recordings, the real experiment that happened back in the early 1970s at Stanford University in California. Dr. Zimbardo was a real psychology professor who decided, I'm going to recruit some students to see what happens if some of them are assigned the role of prisoner and some are assigned the role of guard. And if we create a fake prison, how are they going to interact? We're going to videotape the whole thing. And um, 
Here's a clip to explain more. You're going to be pleased to know that you all have been chosen to be the prison guards. But under no circumstances whatsoever are you to physically assault the prisoners in any way. So remember, just as you were watching the prisoners, my graduate staff and I will be watching you. All right, so we have all these boys who are in, in prison now. And when they get to prison, they get stripped of their identities. They just have numbers. And the guards, in addition to wearing the same beige uniforms, they also have reflective sunglasses on. They have uh, nightsticks or yep. bobby clubs, whatever you want to call them. And they're actually told you can be as emotionally and psychologically manipulative as you want to be if you're a guard. But please do not lay hands on these boys. Yeah, you can't hit. You can't yeah. hit. You can't hit. You can you can do other things. And yeah. when you get into prison, if you're a prisoner, you get quote deloused. You yep. are wearing the equivalent of a gunny sack. You're well, they're wearing... actually they're 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 mock arrested at their surprised and mock arrested at their homes in front of their friends, families, etc. Yeah, and and a uh, little factoid here: the police force of the area was actually involved in that portion of the experiment. Those oh, are I real didn't know police that. officers oh, who did that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people are involved in this experiment, and it was actually funded in part by the U.S. government. So this was a major big deal experiment, and it became one of the most infamous experiments yes. ever done in all of you know psychology studies because things, of course, go awry. It's supposed to last up to two weeks. It lasts less than half of that length. Six because, days. Yeah, because the guards are really starting to... Um, get nasty, yep. get violent, yep. and the prisoners are starting to lose it. They're just completely losing their identities. One is just mumbling and screaming and incoherent. Uh, they're all taking on their identities so strongly. Some, some of the horrible things they have to put up with if you're a prisoner is all of you just have to pee and poo in the same bucket together. Yep. Yep. You don't have the privilege of using a toilet anymore. Yep. And you are now all being switched up in the middle of the night. You're not in this cell anymore. You're in that cell. And now also in the middle of the night, you're going to do exercises until we tell you to stop. Right. All sorts of things that are even much worse than that. So, Rafer, t- tell me what you think about this movie. Well, I've always been uh, fascinated. I, I guess a lot of people are fascinated by the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, I think um, it's just, you know, it's one of these things that's just sort of endlessly interesting. Uh, the idea that uh, when you give people power, uh, they'll abuse it. And, you know, when you give them a certain kind of um, outfit or costume to wear, they will take on that role. And um, I, you know, I'd, I'd never seen this uh, film, uh, this experiment dramatized before, though it has been in, in plays and other, other movies. Um, but I'd never seen it done before. And so I was fascinated to see it. I think... Um, Kyle Patrick Alvarez, who's the director, uh, got this fantastic cast together. It's just like a – it's a who's who of current talent. Um, Billy Crudup plays uh, Dr. Philip Zimbardo. I think he's very good. Um, but the prisoners and guards, uh, Ezra Miller plays the most rebellious prisoner. Uh, there's a young actor named Michael Angarano who plays uh, a guard who starts talking and acting like Struther Martin in the prison drama uh, Cool Hand Luke. Um, <laughs> they call him John Wayne in this they, movie. Right. They call him John Wayne, but he's doing Struther Martin. Uh, he's, 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 he's got that, that kind of southern accent that Struther Martin does. What, well, what's going on here? And he just takes to his role in this incredible way. And I feel like he and Ezra Miller are really the two stars of this film. And I think without those two you know, opposing personalities, those, really, those two kind of dynamic personalities, things might have gone a little differently um, for that experiment. But things spiral out of control really quickly. 
And I think this film does a really great job of putting you down there in the in the prison with these kids as they lose track of reality, lose track of their personalities, um, play their roles far too well, um, start making up lies and uh, almost inventing emotions for themselves like guilt and repentance in order to prove to the quote unquote parole board that they that they should be let out um, it's all just completely fascinating. I, I love that scene where I think it's Johnny Simmons plays the one of the prisoners who's trying to get out. And he's trying to convince the parole board to let him out. And he's just he's making up he's making up emotions that he doesn't actually have. He's regretful. He's he's you know, he's he's served his penitence. He's 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 learned from his mistakes. These are it's all just complete BS. None of it is true. But he's saying anything to get out. I think I think all those scenes are fascinating, and I just think the, thought the film did a great job of kind of uh, just pulling you in and putting you down in there. I mean, it's a Lord of the Flies situation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I thought it was just fantastic. I loved the cast. I loved everything about this movie. You? I thought a lot of it was fantastic. I really, really, really was blown away by how natural it all seemed. Yeah. The, the way everybody just naturally went into their roles and so on. I'd say if there was any criticism I have of the movie is that it actually is more repetitive than it needs to be hmm. because it's like, oh, we're going to torture you. You're being tortured and losing your minds. We're going to torture you. Oh, look, you're losing your minds again. Mm. And I think that one thing that would have broken it up just a little bit was something that happened in the real experiments, which was at one point there was a rumor that there was going to be a prison break, that people were going to come in and help one, prisoners yeah, break out. One of the and, guys gets let out. Yeah, and, and that that guy was going to come back with a bunch of others and break out all the prisoners. Right. There was a rumor circulating in real life during the experiment that that was going to happen, and they had to relocate all of the prisoners and create a whole new prison. And they did horrible things to them during that, too. They blindfolded them. They did other things. And, yeah. And I think it would have been interesting to include that from the real experiment in the movie just to break it up because – in a way, the movie is just like, we're torturing you, you're being tortured. We're torturing you, you're being tortured, and we're huh. broken it up. Oh, I thought the film did a really good job of showing the escalation, and I think, um, and also the escalation, uh, and also the breakdown of personal boundaries that, that I think an outside observer would not classify as any kind of physical abuse. Uh, you know, there's no blood being drawn. There's, it's, you can't really classify that as torture, and yet people's personal boundaries are being broken down and that's important that matters that's harmful and i thought the film did a really good job of that and i think when the film's sort of climax the climactic moment of the film arrives and things get um sexualized and degrading and humiliating it's very difficult not to see the comparison between that and abu ghraib and Mm -hmm. um and zimbardo served as an expert witness at abu ghraib and it's you you can see why i mean you can see it, it's almost like it's the exact same scenario. And I thought that was really fascinating. Um, I, I know what you're saying with the visuals because you're trapped mostly in this in sort of white walls and brown formica and mm-hmm. brown paneling. And that's about all there is. Yeah, it's all beige. It's a it's very all beige, beige movie. It is. It is. But I also felt that that on the one hand worked against it but on the other hand also worked in its favor because i feel like it 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 keeps you it keeps you in that cell it keeps you in that prison and it makes you feel like you're going crazy it makes you understand why people are going stir crazy in the movie so in a way i almost i wouldn't dock it for that but that's yeah. just me yeah and and that's not a huge criticism of mine this mm-hmm. is just one thing that i think could have added to the movie um yeah. 
All that being said, I still thought Stanford Prison Experiment was a very, very, very good movie, and I'd highly recommend it. It's a great date. I would not, too. Not not a makeout date or anything like that. No, that's true. Unless that's your sort of thing. But <laughs> but but it was it was a very good movie. I thought it was a fantastic date. I thought I thought it was just. I, I this this has been one of my favorite movies all year. I loved it. Wow. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we're going to be talking about another movie, only one that we're willing to bet you may not have heard of for this week's mystery date. That's in a moment. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And Rafer, you have something funny on our Facebook page right now. Well, I, there's a new movie coming out in a couple weeks called American Ultra with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. I don't know too much about the plot, but I know it's going to be a stoner comedy. And so uh, when the studio sent me a, a little gift bag of promotional items, it's a little burlap bag and you unzip it and it's got all this stoner uh, paraphernalia <laughs> in it. And, and I thought, oh, that's something interesting to receive here at work. And uh, so I dug through it. And the thing is, I don't, I don't smoke pot. And so I didn't really understand what half the things were in there. Um, in particular, one little long, long canister. It's a long, light blue canister. Um, I mean, I can kind of guess what it's for, but I, I didn't know. And well. so I took, a, I took a picture of it. The rolling papers, obviously I know what that is, but I didn't know what the canister was. So I took a picture of this um, uh, pot smoking paraphernalia and I'm, I put it on Facebook. If anyone out there... Uh, I don't want anyone to incriminate themselves, but if you can tell me what that little canister is for, I'd be very grateful. Yeah, yeah. Go to, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, and help poor Rafer out to know what this marijuana-related stuff is. What are, the, what, what are the kids do with that stuff these days? That's what I want to know. What are the kids into? It's a mystery. All right. Well, speaking of mysteries, it's time for our mystery date. Oh, hi. Have we met before? Not that I remember. And I'd remember. I know so very little about you. I know very little about you. I find you very attractive. Do you find me attractive? Kristen, what is this week's mystery date? Well, this week we have a movie called Lila and Eve. The two stars of this movie are... Viola Davis... And Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. My God. Viola Davis and Jennifer Lopez together at last. And... Who has ever heard of this movie? No, nobody. Rafer, had you ever heard of this movie before? Yeah, well, I knew about this movie. I knew it was coming, um, and uh, because I'd been, I'd gotten uh, emails about it uh, many months ago, and I knew it was coming for summer, and um, so apparently it's been coming, and now it's here, and it's on VOD. You can get it on <laughs> iTunes and other other streaming uh, platforms. Um, do you want me to give a quick rundown, or yeah, you want to? Yeah, give us a quick rundown of the movie. Well, uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez and Viola Davis play Lila and Eve. They're both mothers of uh, uh, children who have been killed, and they join a support group. Uh, Viola Davis, uh, who plays Lila, she's extremely distraught, really just uh, losing her mind. Her son was shot in a drive-by. Eve, played by Jennifer Lopez, uh, starts to put a little bug in her ear, saying, uh, don't you want to do something more than just grieve? Don't you want to uh, maybe go find out who it was that shot your son? You know, the police aren't helping you. Shea Wiggum plays uh, one of the cops on the case. And Eve says, uh, you know, why don't we go out and do something about this? And, uh, well, Lila's got a gun. And so they go out there and uh, start asking some questions, and questions lead to gunshots. And the next thing you know... 
These two are on a killing spree around their entire neighborhood looking for justice. Here's a clip. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yo, yo. Don't come up on nobody like that. I just got a question. I know you? No, but you know Ray. What's it to you if I do? What you want from me, huh? A name. The corner that you work, there was a drive-by last month. Someone's responsible. That name. Get the out my face. I want a name! Now, you can see why I was fascinated by the premise of this, a, a female death wish. I was completely yeah, interested in this and, movie. And with J-Lo and Viola Davis. <laughs> Hello, exactly. J-Lo and Viola Davis, who I never would think about teaming up. But, no. you know, I have to say, in this movie, I bought that they would have teamed up. Okay. You're both grieving moms. This is just a horrible situation. You're living in a bad neighborhood. And you know I love a women out for justice movie line. Of course. Who doesn't love that? Of course. We are out for justice and we will not take your crap anymore. It's got two, uh, it's got, uh, there's two production companies involved. One is Lifetime Films, one of your favorites. So hold on. This was a question. When I saw the Lifetime, you know, opening credits, I was like, Hold on, was this on TV at one point, Rafer? No, it's not on television. It's a Samuel Goldwyn release. It's it's in limited theaters. I know it's it's out here in New York uh, for you listeners out there. Depending on where you are, it might be playing somewhere out there. Um, but mostly I think this is going to be a video-on-demand uh, release, and you can get it on VOD. Um, so, you know, you may be wondering, why would a movie with – Viola Davis and Jennifer Lopez go to VOD. Kristen, do you have any thoughts about that? (laughs) Well, I do have to say, at first when I saw the Lifetime stamp across the screen, I was like, oh, no. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is (laughs) that a good thing? But then the other production company is called Chick Flicks. Yes, it is. So, So, yeah. So I will say this. It felt as though it worked on a small screen to me in a way that it probably would not have worked on a big screen. I think that's right. This seems like a movie that you're going to sit on the couch, you're going to have some popcorn, and you're going to watch. Right. Or you're going to be massaging that gun in your lap, and you're going to be watching (laughs) it at home in the comfort of your own home. Well, now, uh, I thought both the actresses were actually quite good. Um, Oh, yeah. Viola Davis, I mean, when has she not been good? She's always great, but I actually thought J-Lo was stronger than usual, too. I thought so, too. I thought she was actually really good as this kind of sassy, angry, grieving mom. Um, But so sweet and so pretty, as always. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And I thought thought they were both actually quite good. And I was surprised at how uh, rough this movie was willing to play and how dark it was willing to go. It's not what I would call uh, graphic violence. It's not um, super bloody, super violent. But there is violence and it is real and um, people are getting killed. It's not It's not fake. Oh, they're not soft peddling that. And I was surprised at, at just a little, how kind of, um, how grim things got in this film. However, I also feel that the film is really, really confused about what it is trying to say and where its moral compass is pointing. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I liked its moral compass. Really? But what is its moral compass? If you are going to have a whole city terrorized by your gang and all of you are going to do these horrible things, I might have to take all of you out and that's just what you all deserve. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that's great. Interesting. I love that. And I know that she's leaving other mothers out there without their children. She actually runs into at least one other mother who who is grieving after she shoots this mother's kid. (laughs) That's an interesting scene. It's a really interesting scene. But I I think that in a way it's also fine. I'm cheering for her. I want things to be okay for her. Hmm. And I'm glad that she has J-Lo to say, do it. 
Well, I think that's um, an interesting attitude you're having there, Kristen. You don't like that? I thought it was a little odd, and I felt perhaps that she was so, that Viola Davis's character was so um, conflicted and puzzled about the whole thing, and also has a child of her own who she is putting at enormous risk. Uh, Her surviving child. Her surviving child. I thought was just a little bizarre, um, and I didn't I didn't quite get where the movie was trying to point me, in terms of what I'm supposed to feel about Viola De- Viola Davis going on a killing spree. I I just I didn't quite get where the movie's heart was, and I don't think the movie itself quite knew either. I think the film itself feels very conflicted and fuzzy and unsure about what it's trying to say. Oh well, I disagree. I think it's a wonderful fantasy about being unhinged, trying to get control back, and killing a bunch of people along the way. <laughs> I, I it's would... like Kill Bill, but realistic. <laughs> Only halfway realistic. You know? I don't think this film has almost any relation whatsoever to Kill Bill. <laughs> uh, however, uh, the director, by the way, here's a fun fact. The director is Charles Stone III, uh, best known for the Budweiser What's Up commercials. Oh. Did you know that? Let's not think about that part. Waza. And now he's making Chick Flick and Lifetime Productions. And now he's making Lila and Eve. I thought this film was a pretty uh, unsuccessful date. Oh. You? I actually thought it was a pretty gratifying date. Oh, you liked it? Go out there and get revenge, ladies. No kidding. Go out there with your guns. Yeah. I will say uh, just anecdotally, uh, 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 it has a, uh, seems to have a very high uh, user uh, viewer approval rating on iTunes. Uh, the uh, the critics the critics are, have been less kind. Mm, well, but, maybe I'm more of a viewer than a critic maybe this time. Maybe you've got a more, more populist taste on that one, Kristen. Okay. <laughs> well, that's our mystery date. All right. Let's wrap things up as we always do with trivia. Rafer, what did we ask last week? Well, last week we were talking about Amy Schumer's train wreck, uh, which had a lot of uh, sports star cameos in it. Uh, LeBron James plays a fairly large role. Uh, Chris Everett was in it. Uh, Marv Albert. And that got us to thinking about other athletes that have made uh, appearances in movies. And so we chose one, and we played you this clip. Wait a minute. I know you. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. We asked you to name that movie and that athlete. We got a lot of answers. Tons, tons, possibly record-breaking. This is, I, I always knew this was a popular movie. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how many, how many viewers uh, under my age would, would, would remember it. We got a ton of right answers. We picked one. Here it is. Hi, Rafer and Kristen. This is Sam from Brooklyn calling to answer this week's trivia question. It is one of the five movies that my family owned on VHS when I was a kid, and I've watched it umpteen bazillion times. That is the movie Airplane, and the player in question is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some of my very favorite movie lines of all time, including one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course. Uh, Roger, Roger. We have clearance, Clarence. What's your victor, Victor? Even when I was 10, that was hysterical. Thanks so much for everything you do. I listen every week, and I love the show. Sam, oh, thanks that. for calling in. Sam, it's, it's, and all the quoting of the lines. It's I still hysterical. <laughs> the white zone is for loading and unloading of passengers only. Great movie. Great movie. Yes, airplane, exclamation point, 
Thanks for calling in, Sam. Yeah, and incidentally, so many listeners who were in their teens called in. Yeah, we got, yeah, like we, we had people who were like in their teens and 20s. And yeah. I was convinced that nobody under 35, <laughs> that just shows like how out of touch I am. I'm See? totally out of touch. The kids yeah. dig airplane. <laughs> they still love it. Well, I'm out of touch, but we're out of time, Rafer. So we just have to finish up with one last trivia question. This week's trivia question in honor of pixels is about that kind of capsule that we send into space, a message yes. to the stars. The golden so, record. The golden record. So in uh, Pixels, they sent off a golden record of people playing video games. But in real life, golden records have been sent out. And in other movies, golden records have been sent yes. out. So we're going to play a clip of another movie that includes a golden record being sent out into space and extraterrestrial life retrieving that message on that golden record. Here's the clip. Okay. Okay, are you crazy? You almost got us killed. You said you watched me. You said you knew the rules. I do know the rules. Oh, well, for your information, pal, that was a yellow light back there. I watched you very carefully. Red light stop. Green light go. Yellow light go very fast. <laughs> better let me drive. What is that movie? What is that movie? Red means what? Everyone Green knows this one. What? Everyone knows I, this movie. I don't know this one. Rafer, I don't know this one. Oh, come on. I don't know it. All right. I if, don't know if it. Listeners, if you know, give us a call, 5717movies. Or you can message us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast. 